it's Friday. You're listening to TGIF, the horror movie podcast that brings you all the casual conversations about your favourite or not-so-favourite horror movies with your host, me, Kat. This week I am once again joined by co-founder, managing editor, and writer of The Underscene, Andres. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Welcome back to Hi, the show. yes. I am back. <laughs> Thank you for having me again. Yeah. We, uh, we're going to have a... I'm just lowered my chair that scared me um, <laughs> i saw the look of fear in your I was eyes like, oh shit i was not expecting that <laughs> um so this week we're doing a part two because we already discussed last week i said we're doing a two-parter because we're going to talk about it chapter two um what are your overall thoughts of this film um i think it, it's it's somewhat mixed in a way that there are many parts that i love more than the first but there are also moments that are like a real slog to get through yeah and um so it is mixed but the like the strong parts hit so much more um as i said last episode i find this one way more emotional and there are more things to to like actually talk about i guess but um i do have a soft spot for both and i think um, I know there was talks of having like a director's cut of both combined. Ooh. And I know that the moment, if it were ever to come out, I would buy it on a million different versions and watch it <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I, um, I really do love this one probably more than the first. Cause the, this one feels very Stephen King to me. Um, I, like uh the visuals and the and the way that um it, you know the 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 particularly um monsterish scenes feel mm-hmm. authentically king whereas in the first one yeah i i totally get it stephen king wrote it makes sense <laughs> but it didn't have that same vibe that they brought into the second one if that makes sense it does and i think that it's it's strange because it's the same story and it's and while not that the first one's a light film, but the second one feels so much darker in so many yeah. aspects. <laughs> yeah, I really, I the second one, re- this one really got me, where I was just like, oh, that actually creeps me out. That actually scared me. That's actually disgusting. Oh, that breaks my heart. So yeah, yeah. there's much of that. Yeah, and as always, Stephen King just has a habit of you know killing off his protagonists in a way that you just can't trust his writing ever. You can, I can't trust Stephen King. I'm going to get a shirt that just says, don't trust Stephen King. <laughs> He'd probably buy one, to be honest. Honestly, there's probably one somewhere. <laughs> and this isn't like the, the first conversation I've had about a Stephen King film where the, you know, the guest has been like, yeah, no, Stephen King will just kill off your loved characters. Don't worry about it. Yeah, Kiss him goodbye. When you watch Stephen King films, don't love any character. Bad idea. Like, like, like the bad dudes. Because yeah, but even then, no, I, they're probably still, still too die. many good characters. Yeah, I know, and hopefully, yeah. In and the it these two films, everyone, even the chi- like the children back in 1989 i love all their characters and then in the i'm not too sure what this this is 27 years later 89 plus 20 wait what year was i 27 um <laughs> um 
2017. So, yeah, yeah 2000 and, the end of 2016, I turned 27. So this is 2017. This is supposed to be 2017. Yeah. But, oh, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I think. Well, that was 27 from 89 for me. <laughs> or maybe 2018. That'd make more sense. Anyway. So, um, a little bit about the film. So, defeated by members of the Losers Club, the clown Pennywise returns 27 years later to terrorise the town of Derry, Maine once again. Now adults, the childhood friends have long since gone their separate ways, but when people start disappearing, Mike Hanlon calls the others home for one final stand. Damaged by scars from the past, the United Losers must conquer their deepest fears to destroy the shape-shifting Pennywise, now more powerful than ever. The film is directed by Muschietti... Uh, Mush, Thank you. Returning... Yeah, I think so. Returning from the first film with a screenplay by Gary Doberman, stars Jessica Chastain, who I absolutely love, James McAvoy, Ben Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, Jay Ryan, James Ranson, Andy Bean, and Bill Skarsgård, who returns as Pennywise. It is the second installment of the It film series. Beautiful. I love Jessica Chastain. Even in... She's just so beautiful. I love Bill Hader. Also, I love Bill Hader. <laughs> yeah. Did Bill you Hader. watch Barry? Oh, yes. I love I haven't Barry. seen it yet, but the ads look so good for it, and I love Bill Hader, so maybe I'll just... And you you know what it's about, right? Isn't it about a recovering serial killer or a hitman? It, it's a hitman who has, like, who wants to retire to become an actor. Like, it's oh, the most... Oh, that sounds perfect. <laughs> it's so bizarre, but it's... I'm obsessed, and I can't wait till the third season comes out. I think they're filming it soonish. Yeah, but... I'm not too sure where it's streaming in Australia, so... I'm going to have to... It's Is it a HBO series? Yes. Oh, okay. I know where it'll be then. <laughs> I'll just go to Foxtel here. So Because we have a HBO channel. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I, yeah, Bill Hader's a crack up. Did you, him in Hot Rod is probably my favourite Bill Hader moment. I still haven't seen Hot Rod. Oh, my God. It's so dumb. But I love it. Have my you, you... There's this... Sorry. Have you seen Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping? No. Okay. You go okay. first and then I'll talk about Popstar. I was just going to say, my sister will always send me all of the hot rod memes that she ever finds. Because I went through a stage where I watched it like every day after it came to DVD. I had a friend who did that, I think, <laughs> back then. And I just sort of was like, this doesn't seem interesting to me. So I just never actively watched it. It's just so but I know, I know, I know people who swear by it. Yeah. Um, Popstar is like, um, it's a music parody biopic of the Lonely Island guys. And like, I feel like yeah. I might have seen that. But there's one scene where Bill Hader pops in and he's like the total, he's, he's a roadie and he is a big <laughs> cinephile and it's the most ridiculous thing. Cause at one point he just, he talks about the movie Flatliners and I was like, okay, <gasps> sure. Oh, what? That's cool. All right, I'm gonna have to watch it. I think I've seen it, but only, it's, it's got Andy Samberg, does isn't it? It's yeah, Andy Samberg, yeah. um, Sissy, what's his name? Um, I can't remember his name. The other guy in Lonely in, Island. In Lonely Island. Yeah. Um, I think Akiva's one, and then 
Jorkon, Jorkin, something like that. Yeah. I don't remember. But they're all oh, funny, and they're all yeah. Good. They um yes, they were very popular here. So. <laughs> they're pretty big here. I mean, I don't like the music, but the film clips were funny. The music was okay sometimes. It was like hit or miss. I wouldn't listen yeah. to an album, but I would uh, listen to a few songs. I'm pretty sure they did a collaboration with 303 at one stage. I need to hear this immediately. I'm going to find it. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, But don't quote me on that. It just popped into my head where I was like, I'm pretty sure sure they did a collab. But, um, or with um, Cobra Starship, maybe. Not sure. One or the other. I think like once every seven months, I think of Cobra Starship and I'm like, oh shit, right. And then I forget again. <laughs> I do that, put one song on and I'm like, mm, that's why I don't listen to them anymore because it's really yeah, good. I really yeah. love it. <laughs> uh, right, into chapter two. <laughs> uh, so the film opens back in 1989. Uh, shortly after defeating the evil entity known as Pennywise, the Losers Club, Bill, Ben, Beverly, Richie, Eddie, Stanley, and Mike um, gather as Bev tells the boys about the vision she saw of all of them as adults when she faced Pennywise. Uh, This is a really sad scene because Stan um, asks her, what do I look like when I get older? And Bev kind of looks really incredibly sad. And says to him, you look the same, just taller. And I was like, yeah. fuck you, Bev. Um, I know. <laughs> but I kind of like that she did that for him. Um, because we obviously find out later about Stan's fate. Um, the Losers Club make a blood pack to return to Derry in the event that they must face it once more. This is that blood pack that we were talking about last week where we're like, I wouldn't be cutting my hand I, open I and sharing blood. Pick. Yeah, no, that's, there's, there's, I mean, I also wasn't a teenager in, in 1989. So maybe at that point I would have been like, been like, fuck yeah, let's do this. But <laughs> now, like, no, I would never. No, yeah. I see somebody I have cutting the germs thing. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I'm like, I'm out of here. See you fucking later. Yuck. You're, you're all twisted. um fast forward 27 years later it's 2016 there we go confirmed (laughs) (laughs) a a young couple adrian and don are enjoying a night out at the carnival when they're harassed by a bunch of homophobic youth and this scene really um is really confronting yeah because of the way that these teenagers and even i think the youngest looks about 12 yeah more or less they're very young so you can it's definitely like hatred that's uh built in and learned endemic yeah. yeah um they viciously assault the couple and uh it's really it's really brutal like you hear bones cracking and crunching and it's uh, it's fucking not nice <laughs> they don't shy away from the ugliness Yes, it is really, um, like I said, confronting because they don't like move a camera away. It's like you are watching and and it's kind of very um, reflective of how a lot of society does behave this way, even in 2016. Not necessarily incredibly violent, but 
definitely with the same beliefs and hatred and, and whatnot. Um, they throw Adrian over the bridge and run off into the night. Uh, Adrian almost drowns until he's pulled out of the water. Except the one who pulls him out is Pennywise. Ugh. In that scene where you see Pennywise in, under the surface of the water, I was like, oh, get the fuck out. <laughs> <coughs> he really creeps me out in this entire film. Yeah, he does a, I want to say a much better job, but like it, it, it is way more creepier this time around than the part of like the friendliness that we semi talked about last week. It's not there anymore. He's like, sinister. yeah, he's there for revenge almost at, in this film. Yuck. Um, uh, Don, Don, um, Adrian's partner, watches on in horror as the monster grabs Adrian and takes a huge bite out of his chest. That grossed me out. That was, <laughs> that's when I was like, it's oh, this is yeah. a this is a totally different film to what we saw and talked about last week. So, um, so Mike uh, overhears a report of the incident over a police scanner. And when he arrives at the scene, I don't know why he's like, I'm just going to rock up at the scene. Um, <laughs> he discovers the I message. Feel, I wonder if like the actual police are just like used to him. Like, Oh, he's back. Like he's just waiting. Hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> see if his little clown friend has come back. Mike's going to show up with a bunch of coffee and he goes, hey man, here you go. <laughs> How's it look? Right, what do we got here, boys? And it's like, Mike, you are not in the police force. <laughs> you can't be down here. This is a crime scene. <laughs> He's got like a little notepad and like a little voice recorder. <laughs> it might not be a clown. <laughs> uh, note to self. This is definitely just a regular old homicide, not Pennywise. <laughs> <laughs> um, he discovers the message, come home, written on blood on one of the pylons at the side of the bridge. Mike knows that it has returned. Uh, because in the, in the previous film, they did refer to Pennywise as it, like yeah. um, the entity uh, it, I guess. I think it's during the scene in the in the garage when they realize how far or like where the everything connects because they're like that's where it lives i think that's like yeah. the first time they end up saying it yeah and it's quite common for children to do something like that call something that they don't know what it, it is it is it yeah it, it is <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're slowly catching up with like the other losers in their prime of adulthood because they would be in their late 30s now well um yeah ben 40s? said that he would be 40 okay right? yes so i guess, yeah, I, guess right. I guess they were 13 yeah and that in, makes sense part one because the they say like 27 years that's when ben's like he goes well i'll be 40 so like i don't care that has nothing to do with me that's right yeah um bill is married and has found success as an author screenwriter, but he is frequently told that his endings are not good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And this argument he has with his wife, who is an actress in his films, she's like, well, what did you want me to do? Lie to you? There's a line I have written here that he says to her that I'm like, even then I'm just like, ooh, that's a, that that's super awful to say. But when he says like, what's wrong with you being the woman I want you to be? Like, 
Ooh, yeah. No. Yikes. And he's like, oh, in my movies, in my movies. I, 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 I meant the film. Like, I meant the film. Ugh, ugh, still yikes. Yeah, my, <laughs> the little note next to it is, oof, fuck you, Bill, indeed. <laughs> yeah, because she was like, fuck you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, good for you. Good for her. Um, Eddie is a risk assessor. Also, the fact that the director is like Peter Bogdanovich, gonna do a <laughs> horror film. Like, okay, I'm into it. But also, you, why are you here? <laughs> it feels weird that you're here. The cameos in this film are so good, though. Yeah. Um, Eddie's a risk assessor who's married to a woman named Myra. I love this scene where he's yeah. like, I'm more likely to die in an accident talking to you whilst on the phone. And then he's like, yeah, love you too, mom. And she's like, what? Well, because it's also the same woman. As his mother? Yeah, it's the same woman who acts oh, as Oh, no both. way. Yeah, so I think that's I part of like the, the repetition of it, of it all. Like being like he ended up marrying his mother. Yeah. That's so funny. I didn't even realize because obviously they look so incredibly different. Yeah. Wow. Um, in the first, like, she had, uh, she, she just looked very different compared to, and they only show her, I think, in that one clip also in this. So that's yeah. part of it. Mm. I just love meeting them all as adults. Um, ben is hot. And a successful architect, and he basically spends a lot of his time alone. And that's that yeah. scene that we were like laughing about last week. Yeah, my note here says I always hated the whole reveal of Ben growing up to be hot. Like it's kind of super shitty to the actor who is a stand-in for Ben for all of ten seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I said last week, how do you advertise for this position? You have to play the unhot person that we think <laughs> is Ben. You're, you are a distraction. Oh, thanks. All right. Um, do I get paid a lot for this? <laughs> probably not. Know. You you say yeah, like two lines and then you're not seen again. <laughs> we never see you again. You get twenty bucks. Um, uh, Richie is a st- stand-up comedian. Richie's played by Bill Hader, and I love Richie in this film. Um, yeah. Whilst they're all doing this they're also getting phone calls from Derry um we actually meet Richie as he's throwing up over a balcony <laughs> before he yes. goes out on stage and I know you hate vomit as a uh, it was all right it wasn't uh, I, 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 was, I was gonna ask because especially considering it's like directly at the camera I know like it's that did not help. it's more because it was only just like a real flash scene I was like okay cool it's, I can deal with this I'm going through, it's like exposure therapy almost. It's fine. I guess that's fair. (laughs) But I love that he goes out on stage and he's talking about how he was like masturbating to his friend's, like his girlfriend's friend's Facebook. (laughs) And now he's in like um, Masturbators Anonymous or something. (laughs) And I was like, I really wanted to see where that joke went. (laughs) It's the first joke of his set too. Like where do you go from there? (laughs) What do you say? I don't even want to know what he follows up with. Yeah, it seems like it's um, like it's an actual set. Like it's not Mm. like a five minute bit on uh, on a night show or or something. So yeah, it's like his tour. Yeah, he's opening his special with this, and it's like, well, that's gonna go. Where are you gonna go? Where are you gonna go after? I don't even want to know. It's probably somewhere. Yikes! It's also probably. I wonder how much of that might have been written or just. 
he just went out and did like, it. Yeah, he's like, this is what I'm going to just say and surprise it at the entire audience with. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if they did it he that probably, way. They probably did like three or four variations of it too. Like, mm. here, here, Bill, try this, do this. Okay, do one on your own. Like, yeah, right. One of you. What have you got from when you were twenty years old? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we meet Stanley, who is a partner in an accounting firm. He's um he seems very quiet. He's got kids. He's married. Um, he's like a regular Joe Schmo. Like yeah. just doing life. Um, then we meet Bev, who is a fashion designer married to her abusive husband Tom Rogan. Um, yeah, I really feel for Bev when Mike calls her because, um, Bev, so Mike is calling everyone and telling them they need to return to Derry and they're kind of confused, like, Derry, where's that? And we do find out later why and what's going on with that. And, um, Bev tells Tom that she'll be returning to Derry to visit friends, but he's paranoid and thinks that she's lying to him and he's cheating on him since he heard Mike's name. Tom starts to hit Bev until she fights back and runs away from their home, leaving her wedding ring behind. Um, the other guys are all making their way back to Derry, and the only one who doesn't go is Stanley, um, as he commits suicide by slitting his wrists in the tub rather than to face the nightmare from his childhood again. So this scene's incredibly sad. And I love the actor who's playing Stanley. His name is Andy Bean, and I just think he has this really fascinating face. And I, yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> so, have you seen Moonlight? Uh, I don't know. Okay, so I actually wrote notes that, and I'm like, I'm going to compare this movie to Moonlight for all of two seconds. <laughs> and I told someone about it, and they're like, how are you going to pull this off? But um, um, Let's go. Throughout this entire sequence, as we're slowly getting all the losers back together, um, we are there's always these moments in which they're realizing they're getting called and they sort of have like this regression where they're going back to their younger selves. Um, when Eddie hears, uh, I don't know if it was, I don't remember if it was he his voice or the, the just, he sees call. the name. Yeah. He sees a phone yeah. call and there's a moment where his, his like his face drops mm. and he looks identical to like Jack Dylan Glazer's character or her face. And there's a lot of this throughout all of them, where a lot of them end up looking exactly like their younger selves. And you mm. can see the like the great casting to go from uh, yeah. 40-year-old <laughs> versions of themselves. Um, but there was something with um, in Moonlight in which when Barry Jenkins was casting it, the guy who had played um, the oldest version of the character, uh, Toronto Rhodes, walked into the casting, uh, the audition, who was this like super big buff dude who was not at all what Barry had envisioned for him. There was this like sadness in his eyes that he was able to see that that was like the continuation of his younger self. So that wow. was sort of, um, even though like, in his mind, he didn't see him turning out to be this really big buff dude. But uh, but after seeing that, he was like, oh, I got this all wrong. And I realized how wrong I was in this moment. And watching these scenes of like them regressing and becoming their younger self, it's 
insanely powerful to just sort of watch them like both get terrified and remembered all at once even if they're still not 100 percent sure what happened and like stanley's realization as the only person who sort of knows is like insanely heartbreaking and that yeah. like i um i struggle with uh scenes of self-harm and, and razors and yeah. stuff so this this scene is just like oh it just it it really gets me every time i watch it yeah it's really heartbreaking because you can see all these people all these the losers club that it's not that they're remembering everything at once but they're getting that sense of something bad happened in this place to me and my friends and um i don't know what it is yet but it's mm-hmm. this sun- sense of unease and and um being scared to remember those things and stanley unfortunately that feeling is just too much for him and you know in this really heartbreaking scene and it's just i really love stan's character because he is the forgotten friend and then you know we see that throughout this film as well that he's yeah, kind of like even a cast aside it, it sort of is picked up and referenced again when they eventually get and have their uh reunion and yeah he brings them up and everyone's like oh right stanley yeah and it's like oh okay you just really oh, forgot about him you really did and that yeah that hurts like that just that's like a knife in the heart where i was like oh you don't even know what's happened to him yet yeah um so a flashback shows uh the psychotic bully henry bowers who had survived being pushed down the well by Mike and had actually washed out of the sewers. And I was like, oh, shit, all right. I, I have no idea how that works out, but sure. Sure, I'm, I'm sold. Uh, when he returns home, the police arrest him because they've come across the body of Henry's father and basically deduced that Henry's the one that murdered him. Today we see Henry, who's played by Teach Grant. He's in a mental institution and has become even more unhinged at this point. He is visited by Pennywise in the form of a uh, zombified Patrick Hoxstetter, who basically is like, hey, who's this knife? <laughs> but before that, oh, that's right, the, the balloon in the courtyard, where yeah, Henry's he like losing his shit. Yeah. He's so stoked about it. And um, that'd kind of be borderline because he has, you know, his mental health has... Um, declined being in this kind of uh Slash setting. they probably have had him like on a bunch of medication oh yeah 100 percent. see it yeah but it's also kind of validating for him as well because he's like i told you it was real i fucking told yeah. you that he's yeah. real <laughs> so i i get i get both sides of that coin where i'm <laughs> like he's like i'm not crazy i fucking told you that pennywise is real <laughs> he's having that moment uh, but that scene with the is it he's the zombie under the bed when he gives him the knife? Yeah, because the, yeah. the, the balloon was there first. Yeah, and he sort of like is pulling it out, and eventually, then he like runs out after him. Yeah, that creeped, him. Ugh, uh, creeped me out. Zombies and me are not friends. <laughs> <laughs> mm, it's like the one subgenre that I'm just like, nope, nope. I do nope. this sometimes. I just there's a I guess it's like certain preferences about. If things are good enough, I guess. I just um, so I was fourteen when I watched um, Dawn of the Dead. What's his name? Who directed that? Um, Romero. No, the... the newer one. Um, 
Romero did Day of the Dead. Was it Snyder? Yes. Um, it made me sick. Like, I don't know what it is about zombies, but I'm just like, Hurgh. I'm going to vomit did, everywhere. Did, did you see his run. new zombie one? No, I, I want to watch that because I feel like that would kind of ease me into watching zombie films. I have a copy of uh, Day of the Dead because I am a Romero fan. And I'm like, I just need to watch it. I'll just put it's, on and watch it. It's, it's super silly. I was not a huge fan. I do know many people who loved it, but um, it's fine. It's okay. But I think like, like, I actually it's, I spoke to you about this scary. last week, didn't I? That it's I too long. So. <laughs> and I'm it just like, well, well, I'm not going to be able to... <laughs> I'm going sl- to nap halfway through that. Because uh, I just can't... I don't know. What would you recommend for an ease yourself in zombie film? Oh, man. I don't even know. Um... I guess sort of, it sort of counts, but like I would have said like 28 days later, but even though I know that sort of kind of... Yeah, I actually don't mind that, and I don't mind World War Z either, because that's more action. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. I'm still upset that we didn't get World War Z 2 with um, David Fincher. That would have been cool. Because he was like ready to do it, and it, would, it almost yeah. happened, but then... Did you read the book? I did not. I know it's really there's a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I haven't read the book for ages, but it's really interesting because it talks about it from all different people in all different countries, and oh. it's kind of like journals of those people. It's really interesting. I, I actually really enjoyed it. Um, and the movie was okay, but just zombie movies where the zombies are running, and I just oh, I feel physically. I think, Ill. I think once the the zombies running turns into just like mobs of CGI, I sort of I'm out. Oh, that like, makes me even doesn't... more sick. Um, I will tell you why zombies terrify me. Everybody's going to finally know the story. Okay. So when I, w- when I was about 10 years old, I had a dream that I was Dixie Kong in a video game. <laughs> and I was being chased by a mob of zombies and I got stuck in vines and the zombies ripped my body apart. Jesus. Yeah, that would I do I was it. 10. I didn't even know what zombies were at that point. I definitely hadn't seen a zombie film. And then it wasn't until I was 14 that uh, Snyder's Dawn of the Dead came out. And I was like, like, reminded of my horrifying nightmare as a child. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's what they are. That's what was in my dream. It was zombies. I'd suppressed it for all this time. But yeah, that's why I don't like zombie movies. But I mean, like, I, I, I should just watch them. Yeah, I'm sure it's fine. you should watch Especially, I, I mean, I haven't seen most of the Romero zombie films, but I do know, mm. like, I need to see them. Yeah, and as a Romero fan, I should probably watch it. I need to see more Romero stuff. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and and everyone should be seeing either, either watching Sam Raimi, Romero, or Del Toro, and then, then you've seen some of the most incredible horror films. I actually am going to watch The Orphanage this weekend, so we'll see how that goes. Uh... Toro wasn't behind it though, right? Yeah. He produced it. Yeah. 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 He's he is I think he's the reason why it got as big a Oh yeah, definitely. Like people it was... were interested in it. <laughs> who was it like Jay Bayona, I think, who who did it? I'm not hundred percent sure. But I only I because I've never it. watched it, so Oh, I can't wait till you see it. <laughs> it it's insane. Okay. I'm gonna watch it this I'm gonna watch it tonight. 
the losers meet at the Jade of the Orient. Fucking. Can they just. I hate when they do shit like this for uh, Asian yeah. food. <laughs> it's the worst. We have places like that down here, and I'm just like. <laughs> I, but I feel yeah. like I feel like the stupid stereotypical would be like the place in Derry. So I guess that sort oh, of oh true, yeah, because it's small extent. town. So of course it's gonna be, it is a statement like, on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're they're catching up, they're joking and reminiscing, and I I just love them all together as adults because it's still that same banter as them as kids. It's really cool. It's really wholesome. I think I this it. is my favorite scene in the in both films. Yeah. When I the last time I watched it, um, it ended, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna play it back." And I just went, like, rewinded it to the to when they first were like slowly walking in and stuff. Yeah, and it's just really cool. There's moments between Bev and Bill, and then I love that. Um, Oh, Richie says, let's address the elephant, or should I say the elephant that's not in the room? <laughs> and he's like, Ben, you are hot. <laughs> he's, and Ben's just like, yeah, thanks. Um, cool. This is really awkward. <laughs> but it's really nice. And it's like, uh, Eddie is still this really high-strung kid <laughs> like that he's always been. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. when uh, Rich, they're talking about Richie getting married and Richie's like, yeah, 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 I got married, I got married. And he's talking about how he married Eddie's mom. <laughs> <laughs> and Eddie's like, oh, so hilarious, hilarious. <laughs> it's such a great scene. And there's it so is. many like layers. And it is um, like people sort of having their own moments side by side and um, yeah, and it feels like it's probably the happiest moment that most of them had in years. Yeah, it feels really authentic what, compared to what yeah. we saw them going through as they were receiving their phone calls. Yeah, and it is the part of it is like the slow regression that even I have friends of mine from high school or something that I'll I'll message every once in a while or I'll hang out and as we do. They're like, oh, this phrase will pop up that we used to say back then, or or, or what have you. But yeah, um, and you can totally see it coming back as they're all remembering everything that they went through. Yeah, and it's funny because they're just like, I don't remember this. I don't remember that. I don't remember Derry. That's so weird. Yeah. Um, which just speaks to the power of Derry in itself, um, and the power that it had over them while they were there. Um, so they start to split fortune cookies only each to get single word fortunes that they realize form a full message. So they put it all together and it says, guess Stanley could not cut it. And they realize at that moment that Pennywise has found them. The fortune cookies then start to crack open and reveal hideous spider-like creatures. Oh, this made me sick. There's like, so no. many of these I was just like, no, thank you. No, I can never eat a fortune cookie ever again now. <laughs> well, I'm the, the, I think it's the line that uh, Richie ends up yelling. He says, that fortune cookie is looking at me. So as long as there's <laughs> no cookie that looks at you, I think you're good. Yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. But it's really cool. Because um, this is where I was saying that it gets very Stephen, very Stephen King-ish with these like um, monsters and like cosmic creatures and stuff. And there's just some scenes that I find so hilariously scary 
Yeah. As like, well? These, I, these creatures, I don't have an idea of what I would even begin to describe them as. Like, Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> they're, they're, there's nothing I've seen before mm. and they don't really make sense. But they're but they're 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 creepy and they feel like they've lived in people's dreams. Oh yeah, they're probably in Stephen yeah. King's coked out nightmares. <laughs> it's probably probably what happened. <laughs> well, to be honest, I mean, if, look, Stephen King acknowledges his little coke little coke binge. <laughs> little is an understatement. <laughs> I was actually talking about this with a friend about how when you read Stephen King, you can definitely tell during what period of his life he wrote those books in because <laughs> you're just like oh that's really fucked up <laughs> like what was it uh one book uh i think it was in carrie he was obsessed with boobs oh, so you could tell he was a little bit younger when he wrote that because he was really yeah. obsessed, like boobs were like the center of his universe at that point um, <laughs> so the losers like um <laughs> are bashing these like spider creatures that no one else in the restaurant can see so everyone is like what the fuck are you doing um oh, <laughs> i love this scene because a kid comes over to richie and says um what does he say to him the fun's are just beginning right the fun is just beginning right and <laughs> richie's like you think this is a joke <laughs> he just gets up in his face and starts yelling and swearing at him <laughs> I'm a fan and he was like oh do, do you want a photo or something and the kid's like no what the fuck no i laughed so much at that. it was so awkward oh um outside of the restaurant bev makes a call to stanley's wife um before she can say what happened bev already knows that stanley was found in the bathtub and the other guys figure out what happened to him so bev already knew um yeah and the thing that i might preface here is that um bev had stared into the deadlights um while she was captured by pennywise and there's this um inclination towards her being able to see the future Hence, when she saw into the deadlights uh, and she's talking back in 1989 to everyone and she kind of is really sad when Stan asks, what does he look like? Right. Uh, because she already knew there. his fate. Yeah. Because um, she had seen uh, all these premonitions of what happens to everybody already. And that happens throughout this film quite a lot. And actually, no, they do they do talk about it at the end. Well, they kind of um, reference it or... What's the word? They blow past it. Like, it's yeah. there for a second and then, like, anyway, moving on. Yeah, but it's a really important part of the film. And I was like, why wouldn't you put that in more? <laughs> <laughs> this is really important. Um, everyone goes back to the hotel where they're staying, and Mike confesses um, that this is the real reason that he summoned everyone back to Derry to defeat Pennywise. They ask Bev how she knew how Stanley died, and she says she's seen how they all die. Um, which is where they blow over it because she's like, yeah, yeah, I stared into the deadlights. Um, that's it. We don't have to talk about it. We don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Like... I can see the future. And it's like, no, yeah, this is proven... really important. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um, I love this scene where Bill goes back to Mike's house and <laughs> Mike drugs Bill's water with peyote. <laughs> um, so what it is, also oh, when, you, not... when it happened, 
uh, you can see that Bill immediately notices, like, this water tastes like crap, like something's off. Yeah. Um, what it is is a, I think he calls it maturin or mature. Okay, I thought is, it was peyote for the, some reason. What it is, it's the name of, have you read the book? No. So I have not either, but I've realized, like, reading up on it, um, the drug that they use is the name of the turtle from the book that, like, saves the day and fights them or something. Yeah, but, okay. So what? Okay, I'm gonna read the book now. <laughs> I need to try and remember it properly so that both of us aren't yelled at too much when people listen to it. Um, but basically, the turtle is, like, Pennywise's rival, and it's the thing, it, it's what they, like, face um, and, like, eventually helps kill them with the losers. Um which is why in the first film, there are two instances and references to turtles, which there's the Lego turtle. And then also when they're swimming, there's like, oh, there was a turtle here. Oh. Um, so this I guess is that was way... just too crazy to put as the end. <laughs> people would have been like, what the fuck? Yeah, people don't really understand that the movie's like cosmic horror. So to yeah. start bringing a, a fucking deity version of a turtle to beat this clown. I would just have been not... sold. I would have been, yeah, I would have been like, sure, okay, cool. But general Wait. public no. uh, would not <laughs> be into it. Um, so I feel like this is the one way that the writer sort of took the, like, okay, we need, um, because I don't think there's any turtle references to in the not that uh, I remember. original. Um, so, like, okay, well, fans are, of the book are going to want it, so this is the closest thing, because Maturin does, in the book, tell them about the uh, ritual of Chud. So, like, this is yeah. their way of like connecting, bringing that ritual in. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna have to read the book now. I know it's like 800 pages, and a lot happens. A lot. That's, but you know, <laughs> a lot um, happens. <laughs> this entire sequence is incredible. Though. I really like this uh, this ritual. Yeah. Um. So Mikey is explaining to Bill that in all the time that he's stayed. In Derry, he studied the history of Pennywise and learned from a Native American tribe, the Ritual of Chud, which can be performed to destroy Pennywise once and for all. So he produces a piece of pottery that shows a depiction of the ritual that they need to do. And it's kind of this really cosmic scene where Bill's like, whoa. Super drugged out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, I get it now. And, and, like, I understand why they bring in this whole concept of, like, drugs and opening your third eye and you being, um, like, more receptive to information. And I get that. I, I totally get it. It's cool. Um, and so they take all this information back to the losers and Mike explains that they need to gather these artifacts from their childhood and place it in the pottery so that they can destroy Pennywise. And I really kind of like the scene. It's in this part where they're all putting things. Oh, they haven't done it yet. No, they haven't they, done they, it yet. They, they talk about, like, the tokens, the things that they need yeah. to get. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, somewhere else in Derry, we see a young girl named Victoria at a football game with her mum. This thing creeps me out. I fucking, I hated it. I was like, oh, get away. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Victoria is lured, lured away by a firefly, and she follows it under the bleachers until she meets Pennywise. He uses the same tricks on her uh, to make her think he is playful. So this is the only scene where we really see that original 
Pennywise from the first, where he's like trying to be, oh, I'm friendly. Yeah. We can be yeah. friends. Um, and he cries, saying that he has no friends. Well, she sort of goes like, you're too creepy. Like, you, yeah. something's mm-hmm. off with you. Uh, you shouldn't be hiding. <laughs> yeah, if you're hiding under here, then you're not a good person. So she outsmarts him for a second. And then she go- he goes, oh, no, you're lonely. You also don't have friends. And tricks her even worse. Yeah. Uh, there are two things in this where, like, when she's chasing the firefly, there's a moment prior where you can actually still see his face mm. uh, in the background, which is too but... scary. Um, also, I didn't realize until I watched it this last time, but the the little kid that Adrian plays, uh, like the shooting gun game at the very beginning, is that is Victoria. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice. I had I didn't realize that until the most recent watch. Interesting. I didn't even notice because she wins a prize. Oh, he gives her the prize, and it's like thank you for letting me win. Letting me win. Yeah, I didn't realize. Oh wow! So it just shows like this small town, like everyone six degrees of separation kind of thing. Um, Pennywise promises to basically get rid of the birthmark that is on Victoria's cheek. And he just ends up eating her instead. Yeah, with the countdown of waiting to count to three, and then he just stops. And he just starts to drool. Uh, I really... Bill Skarsgård is something else, I swear to God. Yeah. And, the, like... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a scare that sort of, like, tries to defy our expectations. Because we keep waiting for the three and then we're like but are you gonna say it and then it finally happens (laughs) and every time it always gets you yeah i i do love the scares in this film i really do i appreciate them they're perfectly timed they are creative they are yeah terrifying i'm just like ah no no don't do that (laughs) i'll actually we'll get to my favorite scene it's not until like near the end, but <laughs> um, the losers go to their old clubhouse that uh, Ben built for them over the summer. They all became friends, which I think is really cool because we have these really awesome flashbacks to him creating and um, them all being there together. And it's just a really nice scene. Um, yeah. And it's also the first like clue that he wants to become like an architect as well. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, I also love this because I think this is the scene where they're um uh richie's laying in the hammock and stanley comes over or eddie comes over he's got a shower cap on yeah and he's like why are you wearing a shower cap and he's like in case spiders get in my hair and he's like spiders are not gonna get in your hair and he turns around and all of them everyone is wearing shower caps on. <laughs> i just loved it so much that they supported stan enough to all put a shower cap on. I think that they were also genuinely scared to oh, get yeah. spiders. I don't think yeah. it was just out of support, but yeah. But I just, it's my, that's like one of my top five scenes of this film. Because <laughs> I was like, kids are so weird. <laughs> oh, I genuinely love it. It's just great. Um, And 
there's also this flashback scene where Stanley's asking if they will all remain friends as adults. And his friend, you know, the losers are saying, yeah, of course we're all going to be friends when we grow up. Um, and then this is also where Bill is hiding in the dark and is yeah. pretending to be Pennywise. <laughs> Not Bill, uh, Richie, kitties. sorry. He calls them like kitties or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Exactly. Then he comes over and he's just like, remember when he did that dance? He's just like, <laughs> fun of him basically <laughs> like being this massive weirdo clown <laughs> i think they forget how horrifying he really is at this point because they're still yeah. remembering bits and pieces but yeah oh that cracked me up so much <laughs> my teeth hurt <laughs> uh so the losers split up and they head back to their homes in Derry. bev goes to her own old home and meets the elderly mrs kirsch um, she invites Bev, in, Bev inside for tea and cookies as Bev looks around. She fold, finds an old packet of cigarettes, um, as well as now these cigarettes are also the brand that she used to smoke when she was a teenager, as well uh-huh. as a poem that Ben wrote for her. Although she still thinks it's written by Bill at this point, um, she sits down with Mrs. Kirsch, and the old woman is kind of acting a little bit strange. Um, and Bev also notices what looks like rotted flesh on Mrs. Kirsch's chest. Um, she mentions to Bev that her, um, no, Mrs. Kirsch gets up at this point and she's left the room and she's still talking to Bev and saying, you know, my father joined the circus. Um, and Bev is looking at a photo of what looks like a human Pennywise in an old picture. So I was like, oh, that's a little bit interesting. So, from what I remember, there apparently was, like, some scene shot with more uh, human Pennywise. Um, Okay. But it was cut out because it's also something that's not necessarily needed. But there was talks that it was potentially going to be in the, um, like, the director's cut that would have connected everything. Which is another reason why I'm like, I want this version. Because it's not needed. I don't, I'm okay with not fully getting or understanding Pennywise but I'm not going to say no to more. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what those scenes were and if he did live as a human at one point. Because it might have been I think it was like a combination of like the deadlights taking them and then becoming one or, or something but there was apparently a human aspect to him. Okay, interesting, yeah. Because I thought he came from another dimension, through the deadlights, to Earth. Yeah. Or something. Oh, I, I'm going to have to read the book. Because <laughs> it's just so... Um, like, I can sit and watch this as a film lover, but I'd yeah. love to know the lore behind Pennywise. Yeah, and that's why I'm pretty sure I've read, like, the Wikipedia synopsis of the book, but I've not... That sounds more like my jam. <laughs> yeah, I I don't have energy or time to be like the three to eight hundred minimum pages. I don't even know how long the book is. But... Uh, I don't know. Depends what it depends what one you get. That's also too. <laughs> um, an audiobook. So... I should do the audiobook. Oh uh, yeah, I'm I've got Audible. What am I doing? <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, uh, we hear Mrs. Kirsch kind of like scuttling around the house, and that bit's 
that bit creeped me out because I was like, this woman has spider legs at this point, as far as I'm concerned. You know, yeah, like she walks, she walks back and dances like nude and such. Oh, she comes back in and she's you know asking Bev if she is Daddy's little girl, and she's got this like she's just grey. Yeah, she's tall and terrifying, and, and her hair's like running. all wispy in the air and she's like running around and I'm like lady put a nightgown on <laughs> I don't care if you want to like act insane that's fine but you're gonna catch a cold um <laughs> as Bev is like running to leave the apartment she sees Pennywise in his human form as Bob Gray who wears his clown makeup and scratches the red lines into his face to taunt Bev. I can't remember exactly what he's saying. Um, oh, maybe I, I should remember that. Yeah, he's saying something about, I don't know, but it's I was too engrossed in the whole scratching the eyes and the mouth pieces to, to remember. <laughs> yeah. Um... Richie goes to an old arcade he went to as a kid um, and he picks up a token as his artifact. In a flashback, he is seen playing a game with Henry's cousin and the and Henry is teasing Richie for being a fairy, which I'm assuming he's teasing him for being gay. Although yeah. I don't think Richie is gay. Um, well, Richie is. Oh, That's okay. What they, sort of, they do... Reveal that, that at the end of the film. Yeah. Oh. Maybe reading um, this will help me realize <laughs> the message. I don't know. It, it's but they don't make I it a big part of the film. Only in this section. No, but that's yeah, and I think it's something that they they hint at and joke at at the time, but it is something that they eventually do make a bit more canon about it. Uh, okay. And that and that is why. Like Bill Hader is so distraught later. Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, um, he, we see young Richie leaving the arcade and then it splits to adult Richie, who, oh, no, sorry. Young Richie goes out and sits on a bench. And that's where that, um, the statue is talking to him. Yeah, I think it's like. I think it's supposed to be Paul Bunyan or like yeah, something it says that here. similar. Yeah. Who's Paul Bunyan? It's an American folklore story. I don't. Oh. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. That. It's definitely not I've something here. <laughs> I know I've heard it. I know it's like, I'm pretty sure I know about it because of The Simpsons, but I, I <laughs> cannot recite it for the hell of me. I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons as a kid, so I have no idea. My family were like, none of that American crap on TV. <laughs> so I missed out. Um, so he grows really big and is like over the top of Richie. And he's saying, I know your dirty little secret. And in the background, all the people who were in the park are swaying like from one side to the other really slowly. And that creeps me out. Yeah. Ugh. It's a good scene. It is really good. <laughs> But that's that's one of the other things is like his fear of clowns, as, as they said in the first film. But it's also the uh, fact that he is uh, currently in the closet and potentially stays uh, as an adult as well. Because I thought this dirty little secret was when he reveals to the losers that he doesn't write his own material. 
And I thought that that's what his dirty little secret was. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But I yeah. think... Um, well, that's what I thought it was. Like, because it, it's in, in... During the flashback, there is that, like, um, Bowers' cousin, I believe, who sort of is there playing with them, and he, like, sort mm. of calls him back. It was a way for him to spend more time with this cute teenage boy, right? Yeah. So he was... And that's why they sort of, like, react and respond to him. And it's... it's uh, a continuation from the violence and hatred in the opening scene and that's yeah. also why adrian walks by as a, another zombie version of himself and gives him like a, a flyer yeah that's really so interesting it's like all these little things about it yeah like referring to his sexuality that, that is yeah had been hidden yeah okay interesting yeah i'm gonna have to watch it again to be like because I've seen it like two or three times and now I'm like, I really like this movie, I might watch it again. <laughs> I love it's, this scene. It, it's long, but it's... I, it, it doesn't it feel that by. long to me. Yeah. So, um, during these like montages or like cuts of uh, the different characters sort of having their moments by themselves, this mm. is my issue with this film. Is yeah. that as much as I love, I love it, it's the almost hour i feel like filler. of, of it, it because it's it's not even filler but it's the fact that we are we are given these great scene of them all meeting together at the uh, at the chinese restaurant and then immediately oh, like okay now we're separating and we're all going our different ways and everyone it becomes formulaic where it's like yeah okay so we we, we see the flashback then we see the present day and there are two interactions and 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 such with Pennywise and, and, and how he's still reminding us of how scary he can be then and now. But um, but then it just like takes so long and you can't skip one of the characters. You need all six. Yeah. Six or five? Six. Uh, but you need all six to sort of have their own moment and uh, memory and flashback. So like it just, I understand it, but at the same time, like, I saw it three times in the theater during its initial run. And mm. the first two times I was like, this is great. But the third time around, I just sort of was like, okay, I'm going to go to the washroom during this <laughs> yeah. portion. All like, right. I'm not missing anything. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it just, outside of that, I think the movie is better than the first. I, I, I still love it. Um, it's just during this portion is the part where I'm just sort of like, all right, if I tune out for five, ten minutes, that's... <laughs> Let's wrap I'm, it up. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Get to the action. <laughs> but I do like this scene because Stephen King is in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I was like, I actually really, because I, like I said, I, I love Stephen King. My first ever horror movie was a Stephen King horror movie. I watched Salem's Lot um, when I was like, I don't even know how old I was. I didn't even Same consider time. that a horror movie. But I still haven't seen it. And I, need, I know I need it's to. It's so good. It's one of those long ones, but it's so good. I love it. It's it was creepy. It was Hooper that did it, right? I or... don't know. Okay. Um, I know it's been a long a time recent... since I've seen it. I know it came out on Shudder, and I've been meaning mm. to do so, but it's the uh, it's the length. It's the length that I'm just like, Yeah, it's like okay. three hours almost. I'm yeah, and sure. I know I need to make a, a day of it. But... Yeah. <laughs> make it... So you can pause it. You can go to the bathroom. You can get something to eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but that scene does make me laugh because he's sort of like, 
Keegan pokes because on top of that, Stephen King, especially with this, is doing what I feel like so many other writers that I am throwing myself into this where we write about writers. And yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's so hard not to see Bill being like a representation of himself. So it is fun to see him uh, poke at the idea that like sometimes the endings aren't the greatest you know like no uh, and it's not that stephen king's endings aren't great it's that they fucking he fucking kills off all the characters people love and that's why people hate (laughs) the ending of stephen king's books because he kills off the awesome characters and people like fuck you stephen king and so i understand he is being very self-aware in these scenes where you know um bill goes in and gets his bike and stephen king's character is talking about i know you're a writer um, I like your work, but the endings are shit. <laughs> and pe- I'm yeah. sure people have told Stephen King that a bazillion times, like over and, and over this, and over and again. At this point, like I feel like he's definitely not as um, probably like angry. Like he's he's able to have like humility and the idea, and that's yeah. why I think this this scene is just so funny. I also love his accent. I love a main accent. I don't I, I don't know what it is. And when I read Stephen King books, I actually read it in his accent in my head. And I'm like, this is weird. I read it not with Stephen King's, but with a main accent. Like, have you seen the uh-huh. original Pet Cemetery? Yes. You know yeah. the guy across the road? His yeah. accent. Like, that deep main accent. I'm like, that's what I read my books in. <laughs> it's um, the so weirdest thing. When I was 10 or so, me and my family moved into a different house. And my bedroom's window overlooked a cemetery. Oh, that's so cool. So our um, our backyard, like, went at the end of the fence was the beginning or the edge of a cemetery. Um, so I saw that version of Pet Cemetery about <laughs> the first week that we moved in. <laughs> I was terrified for Let a Let me long guess, time. you, like, slept at the front of the house instead? <laughs> no, like, I didn't even have... Uh, curtains at the time, so I was just oh like, my gosh, you're still waiting just, like, for all that. There. Yeah, and I was like, okay, great, this is awesome, love it. Great, thanks, mom. Can we put a sheet up or something so I don't have to look outside? <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's worse because at least if I put that, I don't know what's hiding behind the sheet. <laughs> this is how my brain worked at the time. You're like, oh no, something's behind the sheet. Let's leave it open. Oh, now I can see in the cemetery. Great, great. <laughs> There's no winning. But I love that Bill actually buys his old bike and he says to the shop owner something about it's fast as fast as hell or something? Quick as hell? Yeah, that's what he says. And and the fucking the bike is so clanky and it's just breaking apart on him on his bike. He's like, no, I'm determined to ride this thing. So he's riding over to his old house and he passes by the sewer where Georgie was taken. Uh, Pennywise taunts Bill with an apparition of Georgie calling him from the sewers. Bill is almost lured in by the monster, but he rides away and sees um, a kid named Dean. Now he's uh, a kid that was at the hotel. He's like a skateboarding cool dude kid. I'm guessing his parents. He was the kid that... um was at the restaurant that yeah. said the same line, right? Yeah. Um, 
And I, uh, they, they live in his old house. Yes, he lives in Bill's old house. Um, so Dean has also seen Pennywise and he tells Bill about it. And uh, basically Bill's like, you and your family need to get out of Derry as soon as possible. You tell a 10-year-old that. The 10-year-old's <laughs> going to be like, this crazy man out on the street was like telling me I've, we've got to move out. Also, on top of that, like, imagine that kid actually going home and saying, hey, there's a crazy man out there saying we need to move. That's not going to change. They're not going to no. be like, oh, you're right. We're, oh, we're, we're going to get out of here. It's out. We're, we're moving we're immediately. Out. Pack your shit. We're going. Like, nobody, the parents have been like, you need to stay inside and away from that crazy man. You tell us if the crazy man comes back. <laughs> please, please let us know. Um, Ben gets an old yearbook page. I don't, where does Ben find his yearbook? Well, for, so for that one page, he had kept in his wallet. That's right. That's right. Um, the one that Bev had, uh, written for him. Yeah, because she was the only one who had actually signed the yearbook. Yeah. And there's a really sad scene where he is sitting watching a movie at school and Pennywise has taken on Bez, Bev's form and makes fun of Ben for his weight because he knew how much Ben loved Bev um, and that he still has feelings for her to this day. Um, her, oh, this bit is so cool where her, uh, her form's head like absolutely just engulfs in flames and he's like yelling uh, the poem at Ben. Uh-huh. Um, and young Ben runs away and hides in a locker only to find that Pennywise is in there with him. Yeah, Which is terrifying. At first, at first it was one of the new kids on the block posters, and then it goes back yeah. and it's now him. That's so cool. Oh, I love all the little like pop culture references they put in as well. They did their research. <laughs> uh, Eddie goes to the also, pharmacy. Sorry. It, it was fun for me to, when I saw it, I saw it like at an early screening, and I went with a friend who works here in Toronto and does like prop and set design. Oh cool. And he he had told me that they had worked on the lockers uh oh, for this film. So when it actually went inside they were just like, oh that's why we had to do this. Like and he didn't realize oh, until That's cool. I'm sure there's a lot of prop places that do that and then don't know what movie it's going to. That'd be cool. I think he knew that it was because uh ah but just didn't he, know he what scene me... and stuff. Yeah. 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 That's cool. I love that. I would have liked to have done the swords for Lord of the Rings just so I could have a sword fight at work. Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. That would have been cool. Cuz I think Weta did those, W E T A. It is a workshop in New Zealand that does props. Uh originally for like the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but now I think they do a lot more than that. Yeah, they do, I like, think replicas they st- and stuff. They started, I believe, there, but then they just became mm. such a big company. Because I think oh, yeah, it's huge. Avatar, Avatar used it too, I think. Oh, wow. I don't remember. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I have a feeling maybe they did The Witcher as well. I'm going to have to look Possibly. that up. But look, they'd be the people you'd want to do, like, med- medieval swords, if anyone does it. Yeah. <laughs> They're um, probably super pricey. Oh yeah, for sure. I've like looked at replicas for my dad for like his birthday and stuff, and I'm like, because <laughs> my dad is convinced that when I get married, that he's going to bring this like kind of like Celtic sword. I don't know what it's called, 
um, to the wedding, he's going to wear it along with a kilt and like proper, like full traditional Scottish wear, and that I'm going to cut my wedding cake with this sword. And I'm like, there's no, there's going to be no sword (laughs) at my wedding. You're going too far. Going too far. And my partner's like, fuck yeah, let's cut the cake with a sword. And I'm like, no. What if it's like a dagger? No. I've got my my nieces are going to be at my wedding and they're like you don't even want them within like 20 feet of a weapon because you just can't trust them it's that simple that's <laughs> anyway it's, no it's dad there's not gonna be a sword not have a sword at a wedding so i mean yeah exactly that's my thought <laughs> uh eddie goes to the pharmacy where he picks up his medications where creepy mr keen is still working and Greta is also still there. <laughs> and this is where um, there's a, it's like a funny scene because she says something about his penis and he was like, thanks for that. And he's like, the inhaler, not, not, not the penis. <laughs> or something along those lines. It's like a really weird thing. And I was like, oh, what? I kind of remember what it was that she had said. Yeah, it was a weird, it was like a funny interaction because they're just kids and they don't have any idea what they're talking about. Um, and our uh, side here is uh, basically attacked by Pennywise in the form of his. Oh no, this is where he goes into the basement, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and his mum is strapped to like a, like a surgical bed. Gurney, yeah. Gurney kind of thing. Oh yeah, no, this scene is. Oh! Yes, I remember how much I love this scene because he um, attacks the leper to get him away from his mom and he stabs the leper or something and it vomits like this brown bile all over his face. Into his mouth. Into his mouth. All, all over in his mouth. I thought that was fantastic. As he is like super... Um angry or like and he's like he's like no i'm gonna win i'm doing this and then it just it's <laughs> like okay yeah the song Unleash comes in hell. and i don't know how i feel about the song i know a bunch of people are like annoyed with it what song was it uh angel of the morning oh yeah it's because it's such a juxtaposition like yeah, having this angelic song over brown bile it's super it. silly, and I, I know people like I've seen Twitter hate it, and I'm like I don't I don't think it's that serious. Like I don't. Uh, it's yeah, a I, bit, who it's, cares? It's a bit much, but I'm like it's fine. I laughed when it came on, and I was like, oh, of course. <laughs> it's like the lyrics don't match up with it. So if they just kept oh, it instrumental, it would have been fine, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, Henry has escaped from the institution. And has come across one of the losers, Eddie. Um, they're because Eddie's in a bathroom, like cleaning off all of the actual shit <laughs> that is on him. And I love that Henry just like stabs him in the mouth, and Eddie's like, "What was that for?" He doesn't really react. He's like, "Oh, okay, cool." Yeah, he's like, "Um, hello." But I love that he just like pulls the knife out and stabs Henry right in the chest. Doesn't kill him, but he runs away to his friends for help, and Henry gets away before he's caught. Um, oh, so he tells... He tells Henry that it's 2016, get a haircut, because he's got a mullet. 
As he's like, I think as he's running away or he's got the knife in his face, he tells him, like, get a haircut. Mullets aren't in anymore. <laughs> I was like, I love that. I love that. Um, I love that there's so much comedic relief in these really, like, obscurely gross scenes as well. Yeah, and I think that's um, it's one of the reasons why I tell so many people to watch It and It Chapter 2. Because it's yeah. like, I think... Especially because I know a lot of people who are afraid of clowns who are, they're like, there's no fucking way I'll ever watch this. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't think it's that scary. Like, there are moments, but like, it's, you're you're going to laugh so quickly afterwards yeah, that exactly. you'll move past it. You'll get over it. You'll be fine. Um, in another one, another Pennywise interaction, Bill sees the message, the fun is just beginning. Oh, that's right, because Eddie comes down the stairs and he's like stabbed in the face and there's blood and Bev's like, oh my god, what is happening? Um, previous to that, a skateboard had rolled down the stairs. So there's like these like things all coming together where the losers are like, oh fuck, alright, I'm gonna do something soon. And yeah. um, then that's where the message, the fun is just beginning, is written um on the top of the stairway and bill knows that he's referring to this child that lives in his old house and he knows that dean this kid's name is dean is going to the carnival um i can't remember if they had a conversation about that but bill's like he's at the carnival let's go well i think he said to him like he was going to be that's where he was going or something oh okay i'm pretty sure he, he did mention it why do kids do that to adults like just give up information that easily they just they don't think they just start saying stuff whatever it's comes to word mind. vomit it's like oh here's i'm i am jeopardizing my safety here we go <laughs> <laughs> um so bill goes there to follow him because he's like i'm gonna try and save this kidney follows dean into a hall of mirrors but dean just thinks bill is a crazy weirdo which most kids it's freaking super would. fair it's super fair yeah yeah, I'd be like, there's a crazy man following me. If there um, wasn't a clown involved, <laughs> if you remove the clown out of the equation, then yes, Bill chasing him and being like, you Get mate? back here! I'm going to save it's you! Like, <laughs> it's like, From no, what? I don't know you. <laughs> um, so, the two are then found by Pennywise, who does this, like, his tongue's out, he's got teeth everywhere. Absolutely terrifying. Uh, Bill tries to kick the glass out of the House of Mirrors to save Dean, but Pennywise breaks through first. Oh, because they're in the glass. Oh, that bit scared me. And remind me also of Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, yeah. Cabin in the Woods-esque. It's, it's the, the bashing of the glass with against with his head as the glass slowly chips. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Slowly. And, like, there's no way, because I feel... If anything, like Pennywise had some sort of way to change the layout of this maze. Mm, so because they couldn't it seems get like, out. Yeah, because it seemed like there was no way that Bill was going to get access to this kid to save him. And it seemed like yeah. somehow this kid is now stuck in a room surrounded by four uh, mirrors. Mm. Um, and then it's like he finally breaks through, eats him, sprays blood everywhere and then like two seconds later the lights switch and it's gone and you can't yeah. see it it's really sad because obviously like pennywise is doing this to bill on purpose as well because 
uh, Bill couldn't save Georgie, now you can't save Dean, like, haha, sucked in your next kind of thing. <laughs> it's, it's cruel in a way that mm. you have him watching this little boy just be eaten in front of you. Like, yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to just turn around and be like, okay. Oh, cool. Uh, I'll go on with the rest of my day, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike is hanging out at the library when Henry finds him and attacks him. Um, this is like a, a quick interaction because Richie just shows up and kills Henry by stabbing him in the back of the head, which then causes Richie to vomit again. <laughs> yes. I'm guessing he just has a really weak stomach and he's like, oh, no. But I can't believe they just managed to kill Henry off so quickly. It does feel like a bit of a waste because it's just like, yeah. okay, he, he, what's the point in saving him? Yeah. Um, There's no redemption. Like, why is he out? Do we get to see him be something different? What's yeah, he going to be? I don't, I don't think he was a character that needed to be redeemed, but it was more so mm. like, I don't see outside of bringing like momentary tension. Like, yeah. He didn't really we, do we anything. Yeah, we could have found other ways. Like I, I felt like uh, Patrick's zombie-fied body had more presence sometimes <laughs> than, than Henry Bell's. Because <laughs> even even the scene when when Bowers escapes and he like jumps into the car and yeah. you see uh, Patrick as the driver. It's like yeah. such a, and he's like staring at the camera. Like it's so ridiculous that, but it works. Yeah, maybe they should have just had Patrick instead of Henry Bowers. Probably. That would have probably gone down better. <laughs> um, so all of the losers reunite and uh, Bill vows to kill Pennywise himself. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but they all gather their artifacts and head to the Nebolt house because they're just like, no, we're coming with you. Let's, we're not doing this. Um they get to the to the lair and they use the pottery the um it's kind of like a a vase almost isn't it yeah something yeah. like that and they're putting all their artifacts in so we've got Bev's poem Ben's yearbook page Richie's token Eddie's inhaler i love cuz they're like um and then the boat that Bill helped with Georgie and a rock um that Mike got from their war with the Bowers gang and there's like banter about the fact that the rock isn't going to burn but it's probably going to burn faster than your inhaler and like and then the token and, and they're like you weren't you didn't need to be literal and get an actual token like yeah <laughs> and it's like i love that richie and eddie love each other but they absolutely fucking hate each other at the same time yeah even as adults it's so good um uh, the deadlights appear and um, sink into the pottery with the artifacts. But just when it seems that things have worked, out rises a red balloon and following it Pennywise. He faces the losers again um, and he is <laughs> this is the grossest bit because this is when Stan's head becomes a spider, isn't it? Well, I is think the Spider stuff was that when they were still inside, like before is, they went down the well. Yeah, because Stan, um, Stan's head like rolls into. Um, he was in the fridge. Yeah, actually, no, 
I've got it written right. So he t- so Pennywise turns into a spider that has the clown face, and he's saying, you know, it, I've waited so long to see you all again. And then Mike's like, oh fuck, the ritual didn't work. Um, that because uh, Penny's Pennywise is basically saying, Mike, tell them the truth. And it's yeah. that um, basically the tribe that attempted to kill Pennywise and attempted the ritual ended up all killed themselves. So he is um, bringing all these like nightmarish creatures out. And one of them is uh, Stanley's severed head that rolls out of a fridge. And... No, but I feel like that was still inside the house. Yeah. And then so, they end which... up. Yeah, because then they go down the well and that's where they yeah. go to where they found them first they get all split up yeah yeah but the the because it's it's definitely like a reference to the thing but the but the spider stuff and his Mm. head it's it's cruel and it's gross and i do not like it at all no because stanley says something about you all forgot me yeah (laughs) and i'm just like oh fucking hell and then he turns into like a spider and i'm like "Eh, no because i think I think after they sort of get rid of it, he like crawls down into the basement, which is where the mm. well is, and that's where they end up following it after. Yeah, because they're all heading, they're all trying to get that way. Um, because Eddie and Richie um, come across the three doors. <laughs> We're scary, very scary, and not scary at all. And um, they see the severed half of Betty Ripson's body, which was one of the girls that had gone missing when they were kids. As well as a small Pomeranian that morphs into a monster. I kind of yeah. liked that. I was like, oh, it made that's me cute. Especially because at first they're just like, they're like, no, it's not that big a deal. At, the, oh, oh, at so first they're, like, they're, they're waiting for it to happen. And then they're like, I think it's just a dog. And that's yeah. when it reacts. And it's, 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 again, them like define our expectations of what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I really, I, I love that. Because they're like, oh, he's so cute. And they're like trying to pat him and then it like, I'm like, no, get away from it. <laughs> um, ben and Bev are, are trapped and they end up like split from one another. And Pennywise tries to kill Ben by having him sink into the earth. Uh, the like the, um, it's just swallowing him. It's like quicksand kind of. I think it's like just sand just following mm. down on him. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's like in his, uh, it's in like their clubhouse. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, Bev is trapped in the illusion of a bathroom stall where she's being harassed by forms of Mr. Keen, the creepy pharmacist, Greta, Henry, and her own father. Um, and this scene I actually really like because um, the whole, it's filling with water at this point, like the, the well, toilet. with blood. Yeah. Oh, that's, yes. That's why I was like, it's really good. Um, Which is like another recall of all the blood in the first one. Yeah. And I think that that connection is what I liked about it the most, is that, um, you know, when things got really bad for Bev, it was blood that was the signifier of this trauma and what was happening to her. Um, She fights back against them. And she manages to pull Ben out from his sinking because she's calling out to him. Yeah, and she's also, like, repeating the poem. And, yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Well, I think he is. They, yeah. Well, they both are because that's when she realises that Ben wrote the poem um, and he was reciting it as he almost, like, died in all of this dirt and sand. 
this these couple of scenes go really quick for me <laughs> and i'm just like well, well, well slow down um so bill is trapped in what looks like his childhood basement he sees his young self talking to georgie as the image of the little boy blames bill for lying on the day that he died as bill had pretended to be sick and wouldn't uh go out to play with georgie in the rain this is this is obviously something that's haunted bill for his entire life and pennywise knows that he's blamed himself for it uh young bill goes to his adult self with a nail gun um but adult bill forgives himself and shoots the apparition instead which i really liked because it's like him getting rid of all this doubt that he had about himself and yeah getting rid of that um that burden that he's always carried around of blaming himself well he even carries uh he's like holding george himself as like a puppet as well like it's these things that he's literally carrying with him yeah it's so sad bill is um just because i love james mcavoy so it's like i kind of really like him in this film because i really like how james portrays his character they all do unforgettable performances throughout this like this why aren't horror at the award ceremonies (laughs) I talk about it every year. <laughs> I'll talk about it every damn day. Um, uh, this is like the... It's not a nail gun. It's a bolt gun, isn't it? Like the flat... The, like that they yeah. use, that Mike used. Or is it, yeah, it's a bolt gun. Because that's what they... Yeah. That's what they used in the first one. Yeah. Um, so the losers eventually get close enough to fight Pennywise. With... Eddie mustering up the courage to strike Pennywise himself. So just before this, Bev actually says to him, um, you can do something if you believe in it enough. Mm-hmm. Talking about like a weapon killing him or, you know, um, and that's what they did in the first one as well, where you're like, if you believe it can kill him, it can. And so I think that that's really cool that they brought that into this second film. Um, there's this, because he's like a giant spider in the basement. Uh, like, not the basement, like, under the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, like, his clown face, which I thought was really comedic in a way. <laughs> it definitely looks a bit off. Yeah. And it's a weird CGI of it all, I think. I think that's what it is. And you're just like, this doesn't sit right with me for some, yeah. some reason. It looks weird. Um, uh as um, he runs to Richie, Pennywise impales Eddie with one of his talons. And the losers kind of put him somewhere safe and they're like, it's going to be okay. We're going to get out of here. Don't worry. Um, we're going to figure it out. And they decide that since Pennywise is a spider, he can make himself small to try and go after them. They then quickly realize that the only way to make him small enough to defeat him is to force him to believe he is small. And I love the the power of the mind that they kind of use in this scene. Rather than being physical or violent, they're like, no, let's let's fuck with him <laughs> in his head. Yeah. Let's mind fuck him. So they begin to yell at Pennywise and call out all of his otherwise harmless forms before he starts to shrink and shrivel into a powerless shell of his former self. What do they yell at him? I can't remember. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember. I can't. Yeah. I should have written them down. <laughs> but they mock him. They sort of, I know one of the things mm. they do is call him a clown. Yeah. Um, 
but they sort of just say that he's like pow- powerless and, and stuff like that. Yeah, making him feel small to the point yeah. that he believes it almost. Well, he does because he. Well, they, they tell. Him, they also say that he, they're not afraid of him. I think that yeah. was one of it as well. Yeah, which um, in the first film, I can't remember. I think it's Bev where she says, "I'm not afraid of you anymore." Yeah, when that's when she when he takes her. Yeah, which yeah. I, really, I I love that she's the first one to say it because <laughs> she's like, "I've been through some shit. There's nothing <laughs> that you can do to me." That will make me scared of you. Um, So this allows the losers to pull, well, not just pull, they like rip his heart out of his chest and just smush it. They crush it, which destroys him for good. Um, As this happens, the lair begins to crumble and collapse. So in this really heartbreaking scene, Richie is trying to get Eddie out and he's like trying to like pull him out. And I'm just like, oh my God stop it this is why i hate you stephen king (laughs) yeah there's also a scene before well before eddie passes away but he he tells richie he's like there's something i need to tell you and you can see the excitement in in richie's face as he's thinking that he's like the way he's always wanted to profess his love to to eddie that eddie might be doing the same yeah but eddie just ends up making like some stupid little joke (laughs) Which is like so perfect yeah. and makes so much sense, but there's like you can see and watch this the the moment Bill Hader's like as Richie's like heart break. Yeah. And it's it it's it's too much. It is, isn't it? Because you're just like, oh Yeah. That and then sucks. To following up um watching like Richie just ball his eyes out as he's trying to like bring him out and they're yeah, like you have to leave broke me that broke me into a tiny million <laughs> pieces because i was like in my head they're only remembering each other as the kids that they were yeah. and i think that that's a far stronger connection than adults as friends yeah because you know they're the people that they were with each other every single day of their lives until they were 13 14 and yeah, they they're still they're still defining their friendship through that relationship rather than them as adults. And so Richie and Eddie were best friends. And Yeah, they love to hate each other. Exactly. Yeah, and so Richie's like, You motherfucker, you can't leave me. <laughs> you can't leave me here. <laughs> Are you kidding? And so, like, I, that's how I'd be if my sister died. I'd be like, you fucking, <laughs> you leave me here on this godforsaken planet and you get to leave? No. It, it, that's a little bit morbid, isn't it? <laughs> it's fine. It's a horror podcast. They understand. <laughs> um, but, like, there is the the friendship aspect to it. But yeah. later on afterwards, when, before they leave, like, Richie passes by the um, the bridge in which that... Ben had been like kicked over before um but he goes to re to like touch up and dig in deeper um r plus e right because this is who he's been in love with whether he remembers it or not but in this moment he does that's so sad (sighs) 
So the Losers Club escape the house and watch it basically combust, collapse in on itself into the ground. <laughs> uh, the remaining five head to the quarry where they all swam as children. They think about Eddie and how he would have hated it since it's so dirty. <laughs> and Richie absolutely balls his friggin' eyes out. Um, as they continue to swim, Ben and Bev share a kiss. As they later walk home, they see their reflections on a window and we see their childhood selves, including Eddie and Stanley. One last flashback shows the group as kids riding their bikes home. I really love that scene where they're standing as adults looking at their child selves. Such a good scene. It's so good. It makes me cry. <laughs> you want a horror movie that makes you cry? Watch this one. I love It'll horror movies that make you. me cry. People don't expect you to go. It's so. It's such a um, like for non horror lovers to be like, oh, how would a horror movie make you cry? Um, because they're emotional, just yeah. the same as like any other genre of film could be. I mean, it also doesn't help that like our adrenaline puts us at a different place that we feel so much more attached whether it's because of like fear or love of our of, of these characters and especially when you get two parts to it you're like you feel so That's much more attached journey <laughs> right because these characters do feel they look and they feel and they sound just like the ones they did in the first so it's yeah it's, it's more so like all that uh emotional attachment that you may have gotten in the first just continues and is stronger yeah, I was really hesitant to watch part two because I was like, oh, a sequel. And then when I watched it, I was like, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> Why didn't I watch this earlier? What the what the hell is wrong with me? I remember being very nervous to watch it too because I was, I, I was concerned that it wasn't going to live up to it. And then yeah. halfway through, I was like, okay, no, this is... No, I'm at ease. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's delivering everything I needed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, later on, Bill has, I'm guessing this is like a couple of months in the future, Bill has gone back to working on his writing, and he feels like his endings are getting better. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks to Mike on the phone, who is thinking about finally getting out and seeing the rest of the world. They tell each other that they love one another, and Mike mentions a letter that all the losers have been getting. Bill finds his letter and sees that it's from Stanley written before his suicide. Um... So we hear his voice reading the letter over a small montage of the other losers in the present. Ben and Bev are now in a relationship and they live on a beautiful yacht together. Of course they do. Beautiful life. Um, we see Richie go to a bridge where he carves his, uh, where he has already carved his and Eddie's initials, revealing that he was in love with him. Stanley's letter states that he knew he could never be brave enough to fight to face Pennywise again, so he removed himself from the equation to give his friends a chance to honour him, which would give them the strength to fight Pennywise. He turned out to be right. Um, the film concludes with Mike driving away and finally leaving Terry. I just... The letter breaks me. Oh, I know, I'm thinking about it, and I've got tears in my eyes. <laughs> oh, I had tears earlier with the uh... As they hugged Richie in the water and stuff. Oh yeah, but uh, because it 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 sucks because they're because he was right about the fact that he that because of him dying and taking his own life is the reason why they were make gonna make it out alive. Yeah, or most of them alive. And it just shows you like what mental state Stanley was in too. 
to be like, I can't do this with you. Yeah. I, 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 was... I'm going to hold you back. And because of like his interaction when he got taken by the woman from the painting, um, he's mm. the only one who actively like remembered. He was the first yeah. to remember quicker than the rest. Um, yeah. So he had that connection to it, and that's why he immediately was like, "I can't go back. I, I I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, I don't. I, I cannot put myself through that. I can't put you all through that." Yeah, and the. Watching James McAvoy sort of uh, also lose it as he's reading the letter uh, is tough because because he, he again is us now being like he he was right like he knows like sadly this is what had to happen in order for us to survive. This is what Stan did to give us a fighting chance. Yeah, and then to have the um, parts of the line of, of the letter being read out by the adults, and then also the um, the children who played them as well. Oh, um, no! Oh, no! Yeah. That, uh, I'd forgotten that that's how it happens. Yeah. Yeah, they all sort of have, like, a line and they, they say something. Very, like, breakfast clubby, but... Yeah. Um, it's but beautiful, still. though. It's, it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful and it absolutely... Um, you kind of leave with a sense of hope for who they for who the losers are now and being like okay they finally overcame this huge it yeah that was holding them back for so long from who they really are as people and friends and lovers and who you know sexualities and and it's just they got free from all of that and you feel like we all know growing up, we don't hang out with the same people we do and, and, and stuff, and we often lose touch. There is a part that feels like they won't. Yeah. You know, like, they, they're probably not going to see each other every Thanksgiving or, 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 or what have you or, or, or something. But they'll, they'll likely, and, and it's possibly also because of the two levels of trauma that they've gone through together. Um, yeah but they'll find a way to sort of stay in contact more. And, yeah. and it is the, the part of Mike and, and Bill saying, I love you to each other and it and never feeling wrong or, or, or forced or, or anything. It just makes sense. And yeah, you know, it, it's, it's also something that you don't often see male friends uh, professing platonic love or romantic love either. Um, yeah. in mainstream horror films but it's nope. <laughs> uh, but it's it's refreshing but it's also not surprising and it's nice and it's yeah. very much a different place than where the horrific beginning of the film is yeah and the fact that they also remember each other now yeah they remember what they mean to one another yeah and it and that's bill saying like i remember it for some reason i keep thinking i'm going to forget but I can't, or I won't. Yeah. Oh, what an emotional roller coaster of a film! I love it. I really do. That's so fantastic. That's why I still think. That's why I tell people. I'm like, you have to watch both. And um, yeah, people are surprised when I tell them. I'm like, yeah, I watched it, and I bawled my eyes at the end. Oh yeah, because it's it's like three, four, four or five emotional scenes, just like back to back to back to back, like. Um, and you just get was, so overwhelmed where you're just like, oh, yeah, fuck, I'm crying. <laughs> I, I guess prior to us recording was when we were talking about uh, Conjuring 2. 
but like mm. um in that film there's like horror like scenes uh scare scenes like back to back there's just no breather and i feel the exact similar but in terms of like emotional scenes at the end of this yeah. film it's just like i'm like i just want to just like i need to breathe i don't I don't want to keep crying, but it just keeps getting more and more emotional. Yeah, and this somehow. is why, Stephen King, everyone says your endings are bad, but they don't understand. They're not bad. They're just very emotional, and you're so attached to these characters. Um, Stephen King and you know people who do it, uh, adaptations of his film just have this unique and beautiful and emotional way of creating these attachments to the characters, and you're just like, I love them so much yeah and i love all these characters and uh no matter how many times i've seen it because i've as i said i've seen the second one in theater three times and i saw it three times in preparation just for this episode so like (laughs) yeah i watched it like once a couple of weeks ago when you were like we'll talk about it and i was like okay i haven't watched it yet i'm really hesitating but let's do it (laughs) and then i watched it I watched it, not yesterday, the day before, but I watched so it you, through twice. So you, only twice. So you've only seen it for preparation. Three times. Podcast. Yeah. Okay. And now I'm like, I've gone out and bought the Blu-ray and I'm freaking, I'm watching those behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. There are, there are moments that I think of very often and um, whether it's some of the scare scenes, like the, uh, the mirror maze and, and, and such or even the emotional aspect all at the end uh, but i think it's hard for me to separate the two and that's one of the reasons why yeah. i was like if we're doing this we're doing we're both. Do like, both. there's no <laughs> i can't i can't do one i can't choose my favorite it's 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 a two-parter thing whether you want to separate it from one day to the next <laughs> um that's a different story uh i'd rather watch it all at once which is how i watched it the for the first time in preparation for it um but other than that like i think there i mean there's so many stephen king adaptations especially lately but it's one of the ones yeah. that stick out the most for me yeah um definitely it, it chapter two and dr sleep for me are the ones that i'm really yeah, okay hung Sorry. up on <laughs> i'm just like i need to watch this all the time all the time every day all day every day and they're all long they're all long and i love I it and you never i've you got never the director's cut of Doctor Sleep, and it's like yes. two hours three and forty-five hours, minutes hours, or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I will watch this six times a day. I don't care. Yeah, I... the best part is like the director's cut is somehow, even though it's longer, it's it's better, and it's also yeah. like you f- don't feel the length even more so than you don't feel the length on the original. Yeah, absolutely. I I have heard that they're looking at remaking Salem's Lot. I don't know because the original is so freaking creepy. <laughs> like, give you goosebumps, I, creepy. <laughs> I, I need to watch it this week. I might, if I have some time, I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna dive definitely in. watch it. Salem's Lot's one of the first Stephen King books that my mum read, so uh, I went and, of course, watched the film instead <laughs> of the <laughs> like 600 page book because those were the days where he was writing really long books. Isn't he still writing really long books though? Did he ever stop? The Outsider and Doctor Sleep aren't super big, but I do have the one he did with his son Owen King, and it's called Sleeping Beauties, and that is big. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna venture into it because it sounds really interesting, and the cover is absolutely stunning. So, see, like, 
outside of even removing the fact that he's such a prolific writer but the fact that he's just so easily able to be like all right it's a new year and i'm dropping another book that's like 1200 pages minimum i'm like i can barely put together like fucking five pages i don't I, this is i can upsetting. barely put together an introduction like, yeah i'm like i come oh, up I'm with a, i come <laughs> up with like a synopsis and i was like uh i think that's okay and that's it i, I don't think like, that's what I, I, that's what i want to do today i can write a tweet there you go 140 characters you're lucky that's true i don't think i tweeted <laughs> today so i f- i feel fallen behind <laughs> yeah me neither i'm like i haven't even i've checked twitter to send you the link this morning and that was it um, to be, so, uh, I mean, to be fair, for me it's ten forty-five at night. For you, it's early. It's, so it's yeah, twelve forty-five. A... <laughs> um, what is the last horror movie you watched this week? Oh my god. Um, was it Fear Street? Because that's what I watched. It might have been. I don't think I've seen an. Uh, I haven't watched that many movies since. Yeah, I... would you count? Have you seen the first Escape Room? Not yet, but I have it on Blu-ray, and I'm going to watch it because I am keen for that sequel. It looks good. Yeah, so I I will count that. It's not a it's not a horror in the style of this because uh, it's a it's it's a PG saw film. It's a PG thirteen yeah. saw film, and it looks it's so much fun. I've watched it twice in the past week. Oh really? Uh, <laughs> I watched it by myself, and I was like, "This is fun." And then I in the past pre-covid me and my girlfriend have gone with friends to escape rooms and we yeah. love them and it's it's silly and i'm just like i'm like we i was like you have to watch it i think you would love it or well, at least then like, you can never go into really another escape room also true but i was like <laughs> i was like i think i think you will have a really good time with it like you mm. wouldn't hate it um and she's not a huge fan of horror part of that is because of the gore and i'm like perfect yeah. it's pg-13 like don't so don't worry and now they're like this oh this is even perfect because theaters in in here in toronto are opening up next friday well i guess whenever this comes out but the 16th which is the same day that the new one comes out oh awesome so i'm so i'm watching that second one as soon as i can nice we won't be watching them because we'll still be locked down fuck my life (laughs) (laughs) um i not only did i watch fear street but i watched prom night again the remake of remake it or, uh, okay yeah. yeah the remake i was like fuck i forgot how cringe I, this movie is i need to see it but the soundtrack <laughs> i'm pretty sure they play like mayday parade at one point um oh it's good oh my god it's a good they soundtrack. Played mayday parade i'm pretty I sure like we, i feel like you and i can also now i'm realizing talk about music conversation yeah talk about like <laughs> Mid two thousands emo scene, and I would be um try like two thousand and one onwards. <laughs> That's how long I've been listening to emo. <laughs> well, I think to this day, for depending on like some of the bands and stuff, like um, mm. I've been listening to about two thousand one, two thousand two, which is like funny because my brother is eight years older, and he, I sort of stole some of his like style and music. Oh. Um, <laughs> So, like, I didn't have a, I think I was, like, seven or eight years old when I got my first album, which was Green Day's Dookie. My first album was uh, Anima of the State, Blink-182. I was nine years old. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Amazing. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, I started young in, like, punk, I guess, uh, pop punk stuff before, like, emo really came around. But I'll say I was the other, I, other way. 
emo until it was like mm. Hawthorne Heights, The Use, Silverstein. Um, I love Silverstein Sunday. so much. Lo- yes. Silverstein I is lost, my favorite I, band of all favorite bands ever. <laughs> I, I lost my voice at a Taking Back Sunday concert. At I love Taking Back Sunday. Um, Adam Lazario on stage is insane. Like, the, way he, the way he throws the mic, perfect. Okay, the first year I ever saw him was in, um, I'm going to say 2007, 2008, at a music festival we have here called Soundwave, and he climbed the rigging and hung up upside down from, like, I don't even know how tall this rigging is. I'm talking, like, at least four stories tall. Maybe three no, stories. This rigging. That sounds terrible. And he's like hanging upside down by his legs in this rigging, like singing upside down and like swinging his mic around. And I was like, "Get the fuck down from there! I don't want to see a death today." Yeah, no, thank you. I think it was 2012, 20, no, 2011, something like that. When I saw, I saw him at Warp Tour, and they played nice. "Two Without the E," and uh, that was it. My voice was gone. I, I screamed so later. loud. Yeah, there was, and uh, then I. I was in choir at school, vocal class, <laughs> and I went back and I fucked up my vocal cords that my prof- my teacher like got severely pissed. Yeah, because you probably like, busted a nodule or something. Um, yeah. Actually, recently a friend of mine, Emmy, organized a um, like a cover night for a fundraiser for our local alternative like uh, music venue. And someone did a cover of Taking Back Sunday and I like screamed my head off. The next day I had no voice. I was screaming along to all the music though. So they were doing like, um, they did Fallout Boy. They had like uh, my partner who plays bass guitar in Emmy's band. He did uh, Panic at the Disco and um, where, did, where did my brain just go? A Simple Plan. And then he also played Deftones because he loves Deftones. So but, uh, so the what, are we, what are we starting an emo a music, an uh, emo podcast? podcast. <laughs> he would join the podcast because he's a little bit older than me. So he's been listening to emo. Uh, to be fair, I've listened to the same bands like Thrice and Thursday and Fit, yeah. uh, like Finch and stuff like that. So like uh, probably as long as he has. But on the Prom Night soundtrack, they play "Making a Memory" by Plain White Tees. Um, wow. Uh, they play. Um, a band called This Will Destroy You, which is like an instrumental band that I'm obsessed with. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> um, then there is Lazy Eye by Silver Sun Pickups. I don't know if you of ever course. listened. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, yep. Um, uh, um, it's a really long okay that was it it was making a memory by plain white tees that i remembered and i was like why do i know this song i was like is this mayday parade because mayday parade have a song with a similar melody uh but it isn't that one uh it doesn't matter anyway so also love mayday parade Mis- mm-hmm. uh, miserable at best jersey don't even i've cried every single time i've ever seen that song <laughs> perform live uh mayday parade is my best friend brooks favorite band and so, like, when we go, we just, like, scream lyrics at each other. We cry. It's fine. It's fine. I I went to a show a few years ago with my brother. We went to see this band that's, like, from around here, pretty big, uh, called Monine. Um, okay. Familiar. I don't, I don't. They were big with, like, they came up around the same time, like, Alex on Fire and, and okay. Joey Talent and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they... We went to a show in which they were 
doing like an anniversary show for one of their for albums and all i remember is like me and my brother show up at the at the venue and they start performing and within like five minutes i lose my brother in the pit and it's a small <laughs> it's a small venue okay and you're just like and where where did you go <laughs> i was like i have no I f- fucking idea where you went and all i remember is at one point i'm being like tossed back and forth and i don't know which way is up i don't know what's going on and then next thing i know somebody has grabbed me by the arms and turns me around and it's my brother and he just starts screaming the lyrics <laughs> in my face and then he takes me and throws me away and i was like what is going on? But also, what the this fuck? Is the best, this is one of the best shows I've ever been to. That's me at an Every Time I Die show with my partner. Oh my god. <laughs> I literally will go to an Every Time I Die show making sure I'm wearing contact lenses and nothing that I can lose. Because I, I will hand over all of my things to my partner and then disappear into the mosh and you'll never see me for the rest of the night. It's fine. He knows. Once, I know my brother once went into a sh- into like a pit and just like dropped all his stuff off and then went and then came back and was and like had a bloody face. Oh my god, I have had a broken like, nose like, from a mosh pit. Yeah, it's it's brutal. It's, it's it wasn't a broken nose; it was a fracture. But it's the only break I've ever had. I actually got kicked in the face at a hardcore show while someone was just throwing legs around. Jesus, I almost had um, <laughs> the artist like came off stage with the mic and mm. like almost had the cable like take me from be- like from my feet <gasps> below. Oh shit. And I had like people sort of notice and like grab me and was like, and <laughs> just was, like, in time. Oh, okay, you. You're like, oh, thank, thank God. <laughs> All right, quick. Let's wrap this up. Where can we find <laughs> you on social media? <laughs> uh, best place, I would just say just Twitter, just at Pocket Writer. Yeah. Nice. Follow. Please follow at Pocket Writer on the Twitter. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for having me again. Again. <laughs> and thank you listener if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast please leave a rating and review to catch all the latest from me follow me on twitter at catstead underscore i've also renamed my instagram which is now cat tgif so it's a little bit more of a personal instagram of all my favorite horror things that is separate to my own real life Ooh, double life but you can also follow me on twitter at tgif pod You've been listening to me and TGIF. See you next Friday.